I think you've had substantial growth in the past 12 months. How, how many subscribers have you guys obtained in the past year? It's actually, it's close to, close to a million in the past year. We stand today. The Business Method with a shadow. The Business Method. The Business Method Podcast. The Business Method Podcast featuring Chris Reynolds. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics for location independence. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm your host, Chris Reynolds, and welcome to the Business Method Podcast, a podcast featuring successful entrepreneurs and high-profile people dissecting their business models. We dissect the different methods, tools, and tactics of high-performance online entrepreneurs and high-caliber people in a series format. On our first series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs in 100 days that have built businesses creating $100,000 or more annually. On our second series, we interviewed 100 entrepreneurs that have built location-independent businesses that produce over a million dollars in annual revenue. And now we're interviewing 100 major influencers to get behind the minds and the science of using influence to grow business and influence income results, economies, and cultures. There's a growing number of people building these caliber of businesses like this, and we're going to figure out what it takes to make this happen now let's jump in today's show the business method 1.6 million youtube subscribers in three years going from a teaching job to having a massive platform to build a business and help people along the way this is exactly what happened to today's guest. Emma Jacobi is the founder of Mm English. Mm English started out as a YouTube channel created by Emma to help her students learn English when she wasn't teaching in class. The channel took off pretty rapidly, and after a year and a half, Emma saw the opportunity to build a business helping people learn English online using her channel as the main platform. Today on the show, Emma and I talk about the growth of her YouTube channel. Emma shares about all the methods she had used to make this a success. To Towards the end of the show, we chat about how Emma has handled her new influence in a responsible way, creating a positive impact with her content and her business. If you want to learn about YouTube, guys, this is the episode for you. And without further ado, let's welcome Emma to the show. Entrepreneurs, systems, methods, tools, and tactics. Listeners, we have the English teaching YouTube sensation and good friend on the show, Emma Jacoby. Emma, did I say your last name right? <laughs> Close <laughs> <Welcome>. enough. <laughs> say that. I'll say it how you guys say it in Australia. Jack, Jack, Jacoby. Jac Jacoby, yeah. <laughs> that kind of sounds like it could be an Australian tribe or something. Yeah, I mean, that's like what we're The saying. Jacoby tribe? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sounds cool, actually. It does sound cool. How are you? Pretty good. Now, I know you're down in Perth, and before the show, we were chatting about what you're going to eat in Perth, Australia, during Christmas. Do you care to share with the listeners? Yeah, we do it a little differently down here. Um, we, of course, we're in the middle of summer, and we are surrounded by beautiful beaches here in Australia, and we always celebrate. I mean, we have the usual things like a Christmas pudding and probably a turkey but we have all of this amazing sort of seafood oysters prawns calamari that kind of thing and it's usually a bit of beach action going on on christmas day so i'm really looking forward to it it's pretty different to the way that most other people in the world celebrate though <laughs> <laughs> do people do people wear uh like santa claus hats on the beach during christmas time yeah in their bodies yeah. do you know what bodies are no, what's a boardy? Like board shorts, you know, like okay, yeah, the shorts that guys wear when they swim. So you know, 
they so the, they're wearing their swimmers with a Santa hat essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, all of our Australian Christmas cards have Santa pegged in the same way. Uh, I've seen like Santa on a surfboard, maybe from like a California postcard or something like that. That's yeah. it. It's way too hot down here for his jacket. Yeah. Well, that makes me wonder like how the reindeer do in Australia during Christmas time. Mm, yeah. He switches them out for kangaroos actually. <laughs> if you check any of the historical data that's shown on, on Christmas cards down here, you'll see that they're kangaroos, not reindeers. <laughs> that would make sense. Okay. <laughs> There's no fog in Australia during Christmas time for Rudolph to shine his nose. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. And we leave beers out for Santa too, which he appreciates. So Beers, like alcoholic beverages. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, hot. <laughs> so he's got to be visiting Australia last because he's not going to be sober after. You can't that drive that sleigh after having a few beers. No way. I know, and all the cock kangaroo hopping around. I'm sure it's I'm sure it's harder to control the sleigh with kangaroo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're here to talk about you and YouTube, and we got off on this tangent. So, wel welcome to the show, Emma, and I'm really glad to have you. And uh, I've known you and your lovely partner for a uh, few years now, and I've really enjoyed getting to know you guys and hanging out. I think we've hung out in Barcelona and Thailand and Lisbon. And um, maybe somewhere else, but I don't know. I've, I've, I've also been really excited to see your guys' success over the past few years because I remember your partner Shaw um, in a mastermind a few years back talking about some of the challenges you guys were handling. Um, and then to see, especially over the past, I think, year and a half or two, the, the YouTube subscribers really started to skyrocket, and I think you guys are doing quite a bit better. So, um, so we're going to talk about all that today on the show. Uh, but first we kind of want to get to know you as the entrepreneur that you are, cause it's really impressive the things that you've created. And I uh, have a warm spot in my heart for teachers, especially because, you know, my partner is a Portuguese language teacher and, um, I can see some of the things, the overlapping things that you guys do, and especially helping people and helping learn languages. And, uh, so am I just like to kind of give the, the mic to you for a couple of minutes and learn about how you became the entrepreneur that you are today? Sure. Um, well, I think that, um, you know, lots of people set out on the entrepreneurial journey really intentionally. And I'm one of those entrepreneurs who just never intended to become one. <laughs> I don't have it sort of hardwired in me, um, you know. So I guess the, the learning curve and the journey has been intense, um, which, you know, perhaps my complete ignorance sort of served me in some way because I had no idea how high the mountain was until I got sort of halfway up it and then realized, you know, how far I'd come and how much work I'd done. And obviously, you know, can't give up now. I've got to keep going. Um, but I, you know, from the outset, I, yeah, followed my, my partner, Shah, into kind of the entrepreneurial world. I think it's possibly a, a common theme or a common story. I'm sure there's lots of entrepreneurial spouses out there who are sort of giving it a bit of a whirl at the moment, but I definitely followed Shah down this path, particularly as he started, you know, becoming, you know, so much more flexible in 
where he was able to work, what he was doing, what projects he was getting involved in and, you know, sort of dangled the carrot a little bit, I guess. And that's how it all started for me. So, um, but yeah, and when I say that's how it all started, I, I, I originally started teaching. I trained to be a teacher and to teach English as a second language originally just to give myself the flexibility to move around with Shah to whatever city or to wherever we were planning to go. Um, but just from the moment I started doing that, I just fell in love with teaching and, um, and, and never looked back to my previous career. And yeah, now we have a, a YouTube channel um, that's been growing really well this year. It supports people who are learning to speak English as a second language. So we focus on speaking skills, pronunciation, grammar, but also some of the mindset stuff that really gets in the way of adults in particular who are learning to communicate effectively in a second language. So yeah, that's kind of where, we, where we've gotten to. <laughs> How long until, so when did you start the current business English? Um, well, the channel started uh, about three years ago. Was it a, was it a channel before it was a business? Yeah. Um, yeah. It yes. Primarily, it was the, it was a channel, but I I sort of quickly set up a web page and started offering, you know, tutoring and sort of coaching um, quite early. Um, but yeah, the business as it sort of. Um, operates now has probably been running for maybe 18 months um, yeah in some of those first uh, videos you put out Emma what was the the reasoning to the reason to put them out yeah, because back then three years ago were you still teaching English as a job yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so I was definitely still teaching in a school I was actually in Vietnam teaching and then I was went through a period of being back in Australia and teaching at a university here in Australia and the original intent was to provide some additional support for my students who were in my classes um, and give them sort of a different context to learn and to experience English in um, particularly for my Vietnamese students in Ho Chi Minh City, we, um, you know, didn't have a lot of opportunity to really um, immerse them in, in language. You know, it was more like squeeze in an hour lesson after you've worked a full day in the office and, you know, try and do that once or twice a week if you can. And so it was about helping to create a bit more of an English experience through video. And I was originally, you know, <laughs> filming these videos in my kitchen or in anyone's kitchen that I could get at and I was cooking and you know eating food and sharing food with friends and going out to restaurants and a lot of my early videos are about you know using English and the language but to talk about food and that experience of sharing food so um, that was where the original name came from um, English it's about food and cooking <laughs> I thought it maybe it was something related to your name because I thought maybe M 
because you have two M's in your well, name. Well, <laughs> I've heard lots. I've heard lots of different interpretations of it, and I'm down with all of them, really. I mean, <laughs> okay, <laughs> it's a bit of a random name now. <laughs> yeah, well, it works. <laughs> so, I, how long, Emma, after you started posting videos for your students, did you realize that oh, this channel is actually going to be something or turn into something? Um, I, well, yeah, originally it was just for my students, right? So it will probably be about 50, 50 people who were watching me and, and the lessons, you know, that I was putting up. But um, I guess that number sort of grew reasonably quickly to like a thousand. I remember that number at the time, just feeling like, oh my God, there's a thousand people out there in the world who are watching me. That's insane. Like, who are these people? And um, uh, I think that, you know, from that point on, I was obviously really excited at that point, but, and I knew from some of the feedback that I was getting that people were sort of curious and interested in this new format and this new way of learning, um, you know, English online and through a different sort of format. And, but then from that point on, I don't, I, I honestly, you know, have never been one to really focus on the numbers and, um, it's, it's never been something that I've prioritized in, you know, the way that I'm looking at the work that I do. It's always been about how can I best support the students who are trying to learn with me and who are coming to me each week, you know, expecting a lesson or advice or, you know, some useful tip or information that they can actually apply in their lives. So I think it probably wasn't until uh, maybe about a hundred thousand when I, I actually met up with another English teacher um, in London and we had very similar sized channels and um, we both kind of you know went oh this is cool like you know we've <laughs> both got all these people watching this is awesome let's collaborate let's do something together and then um, yeah from there it's sort of just been consistently trying to to offer and provide relevant um, information and useful content to to my audience so it's not really been a priority where are you getting ideas for that relevant information Emma is it just feedback from maybe um, comments on the YouTube channel or emails are you talking one-on-one -on -one to the students or from your experience as a, a teacher yeah all of the all of the above um, I think you know I've been through periods of of you know doing what i think is best um as a teacher and sort of you know providing content that i think is really really relevant um, and useful to my audience and i've also gone through periods where i've prioritized listening to my audience and giving them the lessons and the feedback you know that they are really looking for and you know in both cases it's probably been, um, uh, well, I guess I've had different results from each outcome in being able to, um, I guess, effectively teach, but then also deliver what they want. So, for example, you know, my students are always coming to me. The problems that they have and the problems that they know and they understand they have are things like grammar and, you know, 
how they learn vocabulary and that kind of thing, which is great. So I make lessons to help them and, you know, feed that information back to them. But, you know, the lessons that tend to do really well are the ones where I really sort of use my expertise and listen to some of the challenges that they have, but create something that, you know, sort of is possibly something outside the their sphere of understanding what a lesson is or you know and really challenge them to try something new or a new technique and that's usually where I've had more success is when I combine my own expertise and experience with you know the wants of my audience I guess. How long did it take you to hit that 100,000 mark Emma? Um, It would have been about a year I think. Okay. Okay. And, um, and then it was a year and a half until you decided to, to, is that when you decided to quit teaching and then make this the the main focus for your business? Um, no, I'd say it was about the hundred thousand mark because at that time concurrently, I, I mean, at that point, the YouTube channel wasn't making a lot of money. Um, but I had concurrently set up, you know, my own, um, website and I was teaching one-to-one and teaching group classes as well so I was and experimenting with some of my first online courses so at that point I had already just shifted out of working full-time there was a period where I was working part-time in a job and you know working on the business but it yeah it probably wasn't um, much later than the the hundred thousand mark when I, I really just decided that I wanted to focus solely on the business and step away from other teaching responsibilities that I had. Was that a difficult transition for you? Um, no, not really. Um, because I'd had a little taste of, you know, um, living and working in other countries and through Shar and the support of my yeah my partner Shar, you know I I really had a bit of a taste of what was possible, um, and I think you know having the support of a partner like that, knowing that they've got your back and that you know they're fully supportive of you going out and trying something else. Um, I yeah it wasn't really a difficult decision, um, but it was definitely one that you know people around me at the time were thinking what on what on earth are you doing like <laughs> starting a YouTube channel and then running off and you know quitting your job and going and living and traveling and doing all of this other stuff you know my favorite line from from friends and family is like oh your whole heart whole life is just like a holiday isn't it <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. had that one before <laughs> like actually no but <laughs> yeah but yeah my- still my cousin calls me a hippie because he just thinks <laughs> I just travel the world and don't do anything else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Though it's, it's an interesting combination, you know, and we're on the, the cusp of this location independent entrepreneur movement really, because um, nobody's very few people have done it before. Not a lot of people understand it and we still work incredibly hard. Well, most the majority of us, while growing these businesses, even though we're in different locations around the world, you know, I've, I don't think I've ever met a group of people who work harder than the 
the the digital nomads and the entrepreneurs that I've met, you know, around the world in different cities. I, I honestly don't think I've met anyone who works harder than that group of people. So um, <laughs> <laughs> what, what uh, our friends and family sort of suggest is not really that true, but, but yeah. you know, we cop it on the chin, don't we? Of course, <laughs> Take right, it in our stride. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take it. It's a, it's a badge of honor. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> so a year and a half ago, then the, the business started and, where would you say that you're, you were with subscribers at that point? Um, was that a year and a half ago? Yeah, or whenever, whenever, you, whenever you took the leap from leaving, you were at, were you at a hundred thousand? You left. That's it. Work? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think okay. so. About that, if I remember right. Yeah. Okay, and then when did you? So the growth. I think you've had substantial growth in the past. 12 months, right? Like you've had quite a bit. How, how many subscribers have you guys obtained in the past year? Um, it's actually, it's close to, um, close to a million in the past year. In one year. Okay. So yeah. Yep. What do you think the tipping point was for you? So it took basically, um, two years to get you to 600,000 or so. And, and then the third year, this past year, if my timeline's right, um, then another million. So what do you think, what do you think really took, made that growth happen? Um, it was definitely a really consistent approach. Prior to a year ago, I, you know, I, I was juggling all sorts of different projects and splitting my time between too many different things and not focusing enough on one. And um, it was about the time that I, that I sort of reached 500,000 subscribers that I went, I really need to, you know, get my, my ducks in a row, really (laughs) just (laughs) work out what is the, what is the system, you know, that I, that I produce, all of this content with because it was so haphazard and ad ad hoc for a while there um, that, you know, if something came up or I went to visit family or I got sick or whatever, then the videos would just stop. The lessons would just stop. And, you know, there were periods where maybe there would be three, four, five months where I just didn't upload a video at all. And, um, it was at the end of one of those periods uh, where I'd noticed that actually the growth of my channel had continued even without, you know, producing content as frequently as I thought I needed to, um, that I, you know, started thinking, well, hang on, if that's happening while I'm not doing anything, imagine the growth that I'd see if I, if I was consistently producing this content. And so from that point on, I really went about, um, I guess, prioritizing the, the development of content, but also pulling together um, a team that could help me to focus on those things that were important for the business. Um, so in that sense, a VA and some other people to support me managing the social side of the business. Um, and then even starting to work with an editor who could take some of the pressure off um, the actual production of the video, the editing of the video content. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to ask because your videos seem to be edited really well and, and the scripts are really well. Are, do you have a writer or are you writing those yourself? So I've been writing all of those scripts myself up until about a month ago. Okay. And so I'm just sort of starting to work with someone else to help me develop up that content a little. Um, and I think that, you know, I got to the point where I was constantly feeling like I was trying to force content and lessons and things out and getting quite stressed out in trying to do that amongst all of the other responsibilities of a business owner and, you know, do it really well and effectively. And then kind of what I do is I guess I get on stage, you know, and I've got to film it as well. And I've got to be present and be there kind of teaching the lesson as well. So there's so many different components to that go into producing a lesson um, that I started feeling like I just wasn't being able to fully commit to the direction of the business that we were going to and really put in a hundred percent. So I'm experimenting with that at the moment and it's, um, it's a work in progress. It's, it's <laughs> working real, it's working well, but it's, um, because, you know, the channel is, is about, it's my channel, right? So I'm in every video and, um, you know, it's really difficult, I guess, to find someone to write in your voice. So I tend to sort of work with someone to develop up the content and then kind of add my, add me over the top of it, you know, (laughs) like put me on. (laughs) I think writing for me personally, writing a a video like that would be a a difficult task and enduring task. Um, How long would say if you're going to create a 10 minute video, how long do you think it would take you to, to write the script out? Um, I would say a minimum, minimum of two to three hours, because, um, one of the things that I think is, it's so integral, you know, being a teacher and being a teacher in such a public place is really making sure that the content that, that you're teaching is well researched and well thought through and that what you are teaching you're teaching in a way that's logical and presenting, I guess, some of the alternatives and the confusing elements, you know, together in a lesson that, you know, really allows the viewers to, to understand the whole topic or the content um, in a deep way rather than sort of just firing bits of information at them. So I tend to take the script writing component quite seriously and spend, you know, a fair bit of time researching and, and formulating it i think that now with this um with the support of someone helping me to write those lessons it's probably at the moment stretched out that time a little bit Mm -hmm. um but you know we'll we'll bring that back in i think do you have um other people on your your video editing team do you have people setting the video up and writing the script cards and and are you and shaw just still handing handling the majority of that yeah, that's just, that's me. That's <laughs> you, okay. That's me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, well, you're doing a great job. I'm curious, Emma, like, what do you think is hooking people to to subscribe and to watch your videos? Um, this is a really interesting question. It's, um, 
you know, one that I can't, I guess, really be sure of. Um, but a big part of what I do is, is I'm me. I'm genuinely me. And I think that that is what connects with people. That is what, um, you know, people respond to. And I think that that's one of the biggest kind of lessons or takeaways that I've had from that, from this whole experience is that it's so fundamentally important to just genuinely be you and to allow the people who respond to you to find you and follow you or for you to find them, however it works. You know, we usually, we have this expectation when we put a whole lot of effort or energy into what we do because we're so passionate about it, right? All of us, whatever it is that we're doing. And we have this expectation that people will notice or that they'll care. And if they don't, we beat ourselves up about it and we, you know, get frustrated and annoyed that why isn't it working? And it's really not that people don't care. It's just that, you know, you're, you're talking to the wrong people. You haven't found the right people yet or they haven't found you. And this is, is something, you know, that I think is, it's so important moving forward, I guess, um, in the world that we, that we all operate in now. It's a crowded world, this online space, and it's really, really important that, you know, we keep our integrity and that we attract, you know, the people who, are, um, who respond well to us. And that is what sets you apart and that is what is going to, you know, draw the fans or the followers or the subscribers to you. Um, so I think that genuinely... Um, the people who have found me and follow me and subscribe to me and that kind of thing, I just genuinely, you know, they, they like watching my lessons. And so many things go into that. It's like the sound of your voice. It's how it's presented. You know, I take a lot of care to try and make sure that all of the lessons are very clear and well explained. And a lot of my students like that. And of, of all of the people who do like what I do, there is even more and a whole bunch more that either don't like what I do or they just don't care enough. And that's fine because I'm not looking for those people and they're not looking for me. Have you ever had a time when, when making these videos, Emma, that you felt like you weren't being authentic or genuine and you decided like, if, if so, like how did that come up for you? And then you decided to take like a new route and scratch that part of the script or something and create something that was more in alignment with you? Yeah, definitely. Um, I hadn't, haven't really thought about this too much, so I'm answering on the spot, but um, I definitely had that feeling, and I alluded to it a little earlier, where I started trying to just respond to what my audience wanted and what they were asking me for. And for a lot of them, it was like things that they were struggling with at their English language school, you know, like what is a relative clause? How do I use it? What is, how do I use the second conditional? You know, all of these grammar structures and things like that. 
that are, are important, you know, when you're studying English, but it's, it's not something that I love, you know, to teach. And it's not something that I feel passionate about. What, what I love doing is helping my students to build the confidence to use their English, particularly spoken English. And so there was a period there where I was producing a bunch of, you know, grammar lessons, which, um, not my favorite, but it was what my audience was asking for, which, you know, listening to the experts and the theory out there, it's like, you know, you listen to your audience and you give them what they want. But in doing that, I was sort of chipping away at another thing that my audience really loves, which is like my ability to sort of be present in the lesson and, and love it and, you know, feel um, help to sort of bring energy to the lesson in a way that, you know, I probably wasn't doing for a little while there. And there was definitely a point where I went, okay, I've been giving you what you wanted for a, for a while now, and it's not, you know, really doing it for me. And it certainly wasn't um, reflecting in the, in the numbers when, it, you know, we're thinking about views and watch time and, and that kind of thing. It certainly wasn't reflecting that, you know, heaps of people out there were really interested in relative clauses, you know. <laughs> So I switched things up at that point. And now you guys are doing consistent videos weekly now, right? Yeah. And are you doing, I noticed a lot of, especially the more recent videos, Emma, are 10 to 20 minutes long. Any reason for that? Um, yeah, we are trying a couple of new things at the moment. Um, I think we are pushing the upper limits of our capacity to deliver a, a lesson a week. Um, when we're talking about 20 minutes or so. But right. we're actually just um, adding an extra sort of section onto the end of our lessons as a bit of an experiment at the moment um, because I'm sure if you've taken a look at my channel, you'll notice that a lot of the lessons that I teach are within a studio. And mm. I love teaching in my studio because I can control everything. You know, there's no extra sound, there's, you know, good light, there's no sort of wind or anything like that. And that's where I feel most comfortable. And, but we're pushing the boundaries a little bit on my comfort zone at the moment and adding some sort of bonus content at the end of each of our lessons, which is me outside teaching or kind of, um, building on the lesson in some way, but in an external context. And it's a bit of an experiment that we're trialing at the moment, but it seems to be working really, really well, um, at least for my audience. And yeah, surprisingly, you know, a lot of them, I mean, the longer videos are helping with watch time and numbers, you know, in the analytics that are helping to helping YouTube to drive those videos a little further. So we're seeing good results all around on that front. Do you think that that specific time in general, 10 to 20 minutes is um, something that helps increase the subscribers? Yeah, it's definitely yeah. 12 to 15 minutes is the sort of really ideal amount of time okay. and um, yeah anything beyond sort of 20 minutes starts to to drop off um, quite a bit but yeah the optimal optimal time is at the moment it's 12 to 15 but I mean anyone who's involved in video on YouTube knows that 
that YouTube's algorithm sort of shifts. It's a moving beast. And, yeah. um, but at the moment, it seems pretty, pretty comfortable around 12 to 15 minutes. Now, you, I noticed that you have happy, cheerful music playing the entirety of the video. Any reason why you guys decide to do that? Um, I feel like, goodness, that, that um, decision was made so long ago. I think that it was just, you know, helping to kind of keep the, the, the energy and the, the vibe up throughout the video. Um, me, I work all day long with a little bit of background music. So the silence kind of just creeps me out. So it's possibly almost just like a, <laughs> like a personal thing. <laughs> on the, on along the lines of influence, Emma, um, I've noticed that like a lot of people, the, the further they climb up the ladder, um, the more they will get haters or hecklers. And I'm curious if you have ever experienced any any hecklers and how you react and manage that um, either person or people or or subject. Yeah, that's a really, really good question, a really relevant question, because, yeah, I mean, it didn't even take that long before, you know, I started getting people feeling like they had something to say that wasn't particularly nice. Um, <laughs> But my approach has always been um, just to ignore and to um, not let that get in my way. I think there's a lot of people out there. I'm, I'm certainly the type of person to take things very personally. And I've found that for me and the approach that, that I need to take um, in terms of continuing my work and to keep, you know, on my path, delivering the content that, you know, my, the majority of my audience wants. Um, I just don't need to get weighed down by that. So um, it happens um, occasionally if we're talking about haters, um, there's, you know, the worst that I'll get really is um, someone commenting about my appearance or commenting about the way that I pronounce things and the way that I say things particularly mm -hmm. if I'm teaching a pronunciation lesson. But, um, yeah, my, my strategy has always been just to let it go and keep going because it's just not worth, not worth my time. Um, and it's certainly not something that I want to allow um, uh, to get in the way. I'm sure you have some sort of workflow where you have the YouTube subscribers and then you want to get them over to your website and email list uh, through your funnels. Um, what, what's that process look like, Emma? I, I, I'm kind of curious too because um, we had, I don't know if you know Connie Bisalski on the show, and she was talking about how a, for her a YouTube subscriber is so much more valuable than a Facebook fan or Instagram follower or uh, any other platform. So um, being that YouTube, I think, is your main focus, I'm, I'm wondering if it's the same for you and then also your, um, your process to get them onto your email list, even if that is your process. Yeah, um, YouTube is definitely my dominant space. Um, I I have a few other sort of channels and things running, but you know, not with a particular 
strategy. Um, YouTube is definitely where I'm at. Um, I've got my own courses and things that I sell through my website. And so um, doing that through the YouTube channel is obviously, you know, uh, it's effectively my own um, marketing space and having that many eyes watching my videos and my content so, so frequently, it's a really great place for me to then push out um, products that I do have. So, but one of the challenges has always been that YouTube, you know, it's, its basis is that it's a free platform. It's where you can get content for free. And there is so much content on there. I mean, particularly if you think about the English language space, but just generally, you know, you can find your answer to everything really on YouTube in video format. Yeah. Um, so part of the, the challenge, um, and it was something that I was struggling with for a while, was working out which of these people are the ones who are able to pay because my audience is so diverse. It is, you know, from almost, well, from every continent by Antarctica and, you know, from almost every country. And there is so much variation between people's capacity to pay and their willingness to pay through that audience that I was struggling for a long time trying to work out how, which of these people are the ones who, who are willing to put their hand in their pocket and support what we're doing. And so I had created a, I guess what you call a little tripwire, which was a, a product um, that was like a grammar challenge that only cost a dollar. And so that's my, I guess, my initial feeder into my mailing list and also into my store. And uh, there's a couple of other series of videos that um, continue via email um, marketing as well. So there's a couple of, of videos and options from the channel that drive people into my store and also onto my mailing list, um, at which point we then are able to target them with other content. Um, so it's a nice little feeder, I guess, into the systems that we've got going. That's a really great idea. Um, so let's move on to the idea of influence, Emma. And over the past three years, and specifically the past year and a half, uh, your influence as an entrepreneur and as, uh, as, as sharing English and helping people learn English has increased significantly. I'm curious, um, I'm going to do a, a, a rapid round of a few questions to you, okay? Uh, what, does, what does influence mean to you? Uh, this is... This is a question that I was initially what I was thinking when you first asked me to come on here because the idea of being an influencer is something that makes me feel really uncomfortable. And it's <laughs> like in my world, you know, in the YouTube space, it and being an influencer, you know, kind of implies, I guess, a little manipulation, a little self gratification, you know, around, you know, brand deals and sponsorships and, and pushing products, you know, at an audience. And so the whole concept sort of makes me feel a little, you know, uncomfortable, mm -hmm. but, you know, obviously then, you know, flip that perspective and, you know, of course what I do, 
um, through my brand and through my channel, I have influence over people's lives. And, you know, for some of them, significant influence over their life, you know, and their journey to, to learning English. And being able to support them to do that is one of the greatest privileges that, that I have. Um, so, yeah, I think that, um, you know, the concept of being an influencer you know, is something that doesn't sit comfortably with me at the moment, but being able to to influence people is um, it's definitely something that I that I take really seriously, and that I, um, you know, it's a privilege to be able to do that for my audience. How do you handle it compared to maybe how you would have in the past? Anything different? Um, in the past, do you mean before I was? Well, okay. So you, you've had more experience as uh, or having influence over people in the past uh, year and a half, two years. Have you, so, so let's rephrase that. Have you, what have you learned over the past couple years as a person with influence and how do you implement that? Um, I think that I mentioned a little while ago about, you know, that being yourself, being genuinely yourself is, is such an important part of that because I think that is, um, is the sustainable thing for you. It's the sustainable part of building a personal brand and, you know, allowing people to connect with you in a way that um, is meaningful to them. But I also think that um, being an influencer comes with a huge responsibility because anyone can build influence today. You know, it's a positive thing, but it can also be a really negative thing. And so, yeah. on, you know, on the one hand, you know, we can we have been breaking free, I guess, from some of those sort of original power structures and, and bigger kind of companies and organizations that control that kind of um, power. And then, you know, on the other hand, now we've got lots of people in this space and being able to influence and not all of them are influencing in, in positive ways or in genuine ways. So I think that um, part of um, that uh, responsibility is about helping people to, um, to to genuinely know and understand you, but also s spread the right messages and the right information and, and research the content that you're sharing and that you're putting out there because people are listening to you and they're looking at you as the authority. And so there's a certain responsibility there that um, I take very seriously. And I've got to ask, um, how many, what's your goal for 2019 for subscribership? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, or do you have one? well, I do, I've got one, but I'm about to miss it. Actually. I had a goal for, um, for the end of this year to be reaching 2 million, which was highly ambitious at the start of this year, yeah. but we took the approach of, um, you know, shooting for the stars and falling short and, you know, being closer than we would have been otherwise. So we are 
are looking likely to to reach that number at around March. Um, so hopefully with the work that we're doing now, we can we can pull that even further forward. So to answer your question, let's go for three by the end of next year. Oh, okay. We'll have you back on the show. <laughs> <laughs> you hit your three. No, uh, yes. okay. we'll celebrate. <laughs> Emma, any, any final tips? We're going to wrap things up, but any final tips um, on influence that you would like to share with the listeners? Um, I think the, the main thing that I want to leave with your listeners is, um, is to, to try to not be so focused on the numbers and to really just focus on being you and offering the world what you have and, you know, not tracking numbers and not looking at likes and comments and subscribers as validation for what you're doing. Because I think that, you know, most of us are, are doing what we do because we want to have a positive impact on, you know, the world around us or the people around us. And I think that we, you know, so easily and so quickly get distracted from all of those things by, you know, work responsibilities and emails and working with different people and collaborating and all of these different conflicting priorities. and we get distracted by those things because we're driven by the numbers and we want that recognition to be able to say that we have so many subscribers or say that we have so many likes and the real the i guess the importance behind that positive impact that we want to have is you know being consistently there spreading your message and and being yourself and i think that that's the priority and if you focus on doing that the numbers will come on their own and, you know, focusing on the numbers now and, you know, willing them to increase quickly or more, more quickly um, is it's not helpful on your journey, you know, to wherever you're going. I love that. Emma, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all your tips and tricks and wisdom with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much, my friend. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. If the listeners wanted to reach out and see more of what you guys have going on, where's the best place they could do that at? Well, you can definitely check out the YouTube channel that we've been talking about. That's <laughs> M English. So that's three M's and English. Um, and the same name is also in our, our website as well, mEnglish.com. Perfect. And we'll put those links in the show notes. Thank you again, Emma and listeners. Thank you guys for tuning in once again, and we'll see you all on the next episode. Goodbye, everybody. See ya. Hey, listeners. Thanks for joining us once again. We wanted to remind you about our high-performance productivity coaching and our five, six, seven, and eight-figure private masterminds. These are all designed for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs to help you scale rapidly and grow. Check out all the details at thebusinessmethod.com. That's thebusinessmethod.com. And we'll see you all on the next episode.